good. Today also marks First Food Sunday. To those of you who have been generous in your offerings of food for our Montclair pantry, thank you very much. We'll continue to receive your donations and your gifts to offset the, the dire needs of hunger for our friends and neighbors. Thank you very much for that. And now it's also my joy to invite Camille Cumbus to come forward. Camille was baptized in this church and raised by her parents, Katie and Kevin. She's joined with her big brother, Cooper. Are you coming, Cooper? Camille participated in our series on what the Bible means and how it will equip her as a child of faith growing to be bigger and bigger each day. And so, Camille, we hope that as you receive this Bible, you remember that it's a story about who you are and about who God is. And we pray that if you have questions about it or there's parts you don't like or you don't understand, then you call me or you call anyone else and we'll just talk through it together. We take our baptismal vows very seriously, so do your parents, and we're so grateful for you and for your willingness to take this step today to receive your Bible. So, Kevin, as you present the Bible to Camille, we'll say a prayer on her behalf. Holy God, we bless Camille on this faith, faith journey, and we ask that you continue to grant her curiosity and courage to question. Give her a commitment to your son Christ as she matures into a young lady. Give her wisdom, constantly reminding her that she is cherished, valued, and loved by the power of your grace, and that no matter what she does, or no matter what she doesn't do, she belongs here at this church and safely in the palm of your hands. We give thanks for her this day and for her family. Amen. Congratulations, Camille. You may be seated. And now let us prepare our hearts to worship God. souls thirst for the living God. Of hope and hope. Come you who are acquainted with grief or oppression. 
we come bearing our doubts, our wounds, and our fears. Come, you who are in need of good news. We come in search of joy, truth, and life. We come and find refuge in God, your rock. Let us pray. Praise the one who help our hope. Join me in the prayer of confession. Merciful God, who brings us comfort during our darkest hours and frees us from confusion and emptiness, you are always near to us, especially when we are weak and vulnerable. Lift our burdens, calm our anxiety, and quiet our fears. Do not leave us alone in our moments of anguish and depression. Give us the courage to ask for help when we feel overwhelmed. God, we confess that we are not properly Brothers and sisters, hear these words of assurance of our forgiveness found in Romans. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Well, there is a chance that you all might have missed the first 10 minutes of our vocals with worship. And if that is the case, 
after worship, I'm going to take a minute and reintroduce our new members to you all so that you can see their faces. So I hope you all don't mind sticking around. We're having a few technological difficulties, and I'm saying, come on, Lord Jesus, fix that. We continue with our winter preaching series on walking with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. This Jesus in this Gospel, he's on the go, and there's no place that is out of reach for him. I love the story we're going to read today. It's found in the fifth chapter of Mark. It's verses 1 through 20. So listen for the word of the Lord. They came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gerasenes. And when he had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man out of the tombs with an unclean spirit met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could restrain him anymore, even with a chain. For he had often been restrained with shackles and chains, but the chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he broke in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always howling and bruising himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and bowed down before him, and he shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now, there on the hillside, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the unclean spirits begged him, Send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the swine, and the herd numbered about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and were drowned in the sea. The swine herds ran off and told it in the city and in the country. When people came to see what it was that had happened, they came to Jesus and saw the demoniac sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, the very man who had had the legion. And they were afraid. Those who had seen what had happened to the demoniac and to the swine reported it. Then they began to beg Jesus to leave their neighborhood. And he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed by demons begged him that he might go with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed. This is the word of God for the people of God. So thanks be to God. I have a loved one who seems possessed. Night and day among the tombs, she is a shell of whom God created her to be. Trapped by a legion of demons beyond herself invaded, infiltrated, no matter how much she drinks. Nothing can satiate those 5,000 soldiers occupying her soul. I have a loved one. He's been shackled and chained. What can his parents do? He was such a sweet little boy, 
But now he seems dangerous, impulsive, irrational, unreasonable. Sometimes he's so cruel. And when he's not acting out, he withdraws into the deep darkness of a cave. And now we've all but given up. I have a loved one. As the months of the pandemic have dragged on, she seems to have disappeared, and yet no one really seems to notice. She does enough to get by, of course, but inside she's howling, screaming even. No one hears her. She bruises herself with stones or some other weapon of choice, but no one seems to notice. Does she harm herself because she's tormented or because she just wants to feel something she can control? He's hard to love, but I know a man on the other side, which is to say, whatever side you are on, this guy's on the other side. He's angry and judgmental. He's vitriolic and offensive. These days, he's exhausted and exhausting all at once, possessed by his own thoughts and his own ideology, insecure and scared. Honestly, we don't miss him too much, and we wouldn't mind if he stayed out there amongst the tombs for as long as the demons will have him. Is there a lake too wide? Is there a tomb too deep? Is there a sin too dirty, an act too shameful, an affliction or an illness too profound that can separate us from God's love and mercy? We're also fragile, really, and we all have demons. But this man, this man, he's beyond saving. He's stuffed with more than his fair share. A whole legion's worth, 5,000 powerful Roman soldiers marching around in his head and his heart and his soul. We are no match for an army. Change the locks, cut him out, ignore him, blame him for our own troubles, enable him, cancel him, try to control him or fix him, pray, Wait for another catastrophe, turn a blind eye, donate, drop off sandwiches. But either way, as long as he's out there, out there on the streets or out of his mind or out of control or out on the edge, our lives are not too interrupted. They're not too inconvenienced. In the end, while it is impossible to confront demons on our own, with all our pride, and all our shame, and all our guilt, and all of our good intentions, we will do anything, we will do anything to avoid confronting demons. We don't have the wherewithal, we don't have the tenacity, and we don't have the power. And isn't that what this story is really all about? Power. We deny and we resist, we shackle and reshackle, we lie, we hide, we blame, we accuse, we judge and attack, we give up, but Jesus, Jesus stops at nothing. At the end of a very long day, he loads his disciples into a boat, crosses a sea, muzzles a life-threatening storm, and steps into a region known to be populated by those other godless people, only to confront and expel a legion of demons within a naked violent man stuffed like a pig with the power beyond himself. This is Gentile territory. It's dangerous and corrupt. But Jesus knows. Jesus knows this is spiritual territory. 
He has enough power to break his own chains, but there's nowhere for this man to even go. Has his body or his mind or his soul betrayed him? As Palmer Parker has said, depression is a full-body immersion into the darkness, sleeping in the tombs amongst decomposing bodies and bones beyond the point of no return. Is there anyone out of God's reach? What lies beyond our sin or our brokenness? What choice remains when we're overrun by demons? If grace is the power of God over man, to quote Reinhold Niebuhr, then grace is also the power of God within us, the Holy Spirit filling an empty space, a hole, a dark, a dark tomb, a shell of sorts. God is not a supernal perfection to which we aspire. We cannot achieve God. God has resources of love and wisdom and power which come down to us. And we are to be filled with God's grace. And to be filled like that means to be invaded with a power, to be infiltrated with a power beyond ourselves and our own abilities. And it seems, on the basis of this story at least, Jesus needs to make a little bit of room for the good stuff. Jesus' choice to annihilate the demons was not dependent upon what this man did or did not know or what he did or did not say or do, especially in the midst of his crisis. But he was a Gentile. He would not have heard of God's promises from generation to generation. He did not receive a third-grade Bible. He would not have known the truth about God, which is in some ways a truth about us, too. The man recognizes Jesus for his power, well, or at least the demons recognized Jesus for his power. But it was certainly not a profession of faith. He ran towards Jesus and dropped to his knees, but he did not ask Jesus to save him. He shouts, Holy Son of God, do not torment me. Is there anyone beyond God's reach? We love God because God loves us first. And in this case, mercy and compassion and love drive 5,000 demons into the bellies of 2,000 pigs. Then, only then, does Jesus ask his name. And I, I bet you, I bet you more than whatever you're betting on the Super Bowl today, that that crazy man's mama did not name him Legion. If his name were Legion, it would, it would be as if we stood before the baptismal font with a beautiful child and we said, her name is addiction, her name is anorexia, her name is anxiety, her name is depression. God knows us and God loves us for who God created us to be, each of us intricately and wonderfully made. Your human struggles, your illnesses, whether they are physical, emotional, or mental, your weaknesses and your failures, your insecurities and your past mistakes, they do not define you. Mine do not define me. And they do not define the man from the other side of the lake. His name is not Legion. 
He is not homeless. He is not a demoniac. He is not crazy or a loser or a thug or lazy. He is a child of God who first encounters the power of God in Christ Jesus, and then, only then, does he fall to his knees and he calls his demons by name. And folks in recovery and Al-Anon, we get that. At meetings, first people introduce themselves by their authentic, God-given names. And then, only then, do they acknowledge their demons. And then in that moment, when two or three are gathered, they begin losing their power. And the demons know at that moment the gig is up. No matter what that demon looks like, no one is strong enough to confront it on your own. And this makes pandemic living really tricky, doesn't it? And so I make this statement with all sincerity. If you are struggling with depression, if you need someone to listen, if you are struggling with addiction or if you have thoughts of harming yourself, then you can find my phone number or Lisa's phone number on our website, and we will help you find a way out of that tomb. Because for all of us, the lakes between us, they're wider these days. It seems like the demons' voices are growing stronger these days, and the tombs seem a little bit darker. But here's the good news. The miracles of Jesus have a purpose beyond the impact of the one who is restored. It's Jürgen Moltmann who tells us, tells us that between Jesus' prophetic teaching and all of these miracles and healings that we read about, we witness the most important testi testimony to the dawning reign of God. And here it is. Jesus does meet us. Jesus will meet us in our darkest tombs, but he refuses to leave us there, which seems like great news to all of us tomb dwellers, but it is also terrifying and offensive. Demons love dark secrets, and stepping into the light requires humility and courage and honesty. And while it seems like everybody in the story was not so thrilled, not one mention of the disciples celebrating this man's restoration to a whole life, years in the tombs, not one member of the community offered him a hug. Someone paid for those shackles, after all, and he broke them. Those hand-me-downs we gave him were ripped and destroyed. We'd already paid the guards. Is his life really worth 2,000 pigs? Who's going to compensate us for the economic impact of our loss? Why should we pay for his sin? much less the cost of his restoration? Is there any human on earth not worthy of God's redemption and grace in Christ? This man and his demons were the only reason Jesus coerced his disciples into the boat in the first place. As Niebuhr mentions, whatever newness of life flows from an experience of repentance and faith or healing is then guided by an awareness of incompleteness. Already and not yet, each moment, each day is a gift of wholeness in and of itself. And the peace which follows a moment like this is never a contentment of achievement. We cannot achieve grace and healing and wholeness. It is always the peace which comes from the knowledge of God's grace.
In Christ, we found the courage and the power to face and name our demons together. But it is also true, at all costs, we are called to cross every boundary, every barrier, every abyss, to face the demons of those who are beyond reach, including those who have not had access or knowledge of such promises and blessings. So I'll leave you with this. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, there is nothing you can do, nowhere you can do, you, nowhere you can go, no tomb deep enough, no sin too dirty, no secret too shameful that will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And by the power and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, you have been called by name. You are known and you are loved. Amen. Let us pray together. God of our daily lives, God who knows us and calls us by name, we pray for the people of this world, your people, those who know of your grace and mercy and love, and those who don't, those on our side of things and those on the other side, only accessible by crossing over in the boat those whom we regard as unclean, uninformed, unchristian, or unworthy. We pray for them, Lord. We lift to you in our prayer the afflicted and the comfortable, 
people working and those without work, the homeless and those well-housed, those fulfilled and frustrated, the persevering and those who have given out, the cluttered with material goods and those scraping a living from others' leavings, those shackled and isolated by an illness or addiction and feel the darkness of the tombs, and for those who know light, healing, and recovery. We pray for people rejoicing and grieving. May we share their suffering and hope. People finding their own space and those respecting the space of others. The lonely or living in community. Those blind to injustice and oppression and those who now seek new vision. We pray for our brothers and sisters in all places and situations. We ask God's grace, mercy, hope, and strength for them. Particularly this day, we pray for those among us who have lost a loved one, those who are caregivers and those recovering, our Montclair Elementary families and staff, in particular, the families affected by the fire this week, and the staff at Roof Above, and the neighbors they serve each day. Lord, some of our prayers are just too deep for words. We cannot even utter them aloud. Hear those now too, Lord. We ask all this and more in the name of Jesus, who calms the chaos, enters the tombs, confronts the demons we face, who brings about new life, and who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Following Jesus as a disciple boils down to two simple things, love God and love neighbor. And as I looked over the scouting oath, I couldn't help but notice it talks about doing its duty to God and to help other people at all times. Clearly, scouting very well is a form of discipleship. I'd like to invite Peyton Bro forward for a minute for mission to share more about ways in which we might serve God and neighbor. Peyton. Hi, my name is Peyton Bro, the Senior Patrol Leader for Troop 99. I've been in the troop for four years and I'm glad to be given the opportunity here today. Despite the pandemic, Troop 99 has had many virtual and in-person meetings as well as outings together. This, week, this year, unlike any other it's since the troop's establishment in 1942, our troop has been has goes in camping outings once a month, and since September, we've been hiking in or on the Appalachian Trail, the War National Forest, and Pisgah National Forest. Next weekend, we plan on going to Winter Place Ski Resort in West Virginia, and later in March, we will spend a weekend camping on Cambers Island, just north of South Charleston, South Carolina. This summer, we will be taking eight scouts and four adult leaders 
for 14 days to Philmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico, which is the ultimate scouting experience. Also this summer, the troop will be attending Camp Grimes Scout Camp in Nebo, North Carolina, where scouts advance and earn very many merit badges. If you would like to know more information about the troop, we meet every Monday at 7 o'clock at the Scout Hut, or you can contact our Scoutmaster, Mr. Joe Bentley. On behalf of all the scouts and leaders in Troop 99, we appreciate all your support. Thank you. We are grateful for Troop 99 and our relationship with them. We hope you will look into more opportunities to get involved in scouting. During this offering time, we also invite you to consider how you might share a portion of your time, your skills, or your financial resources with the church and the world so that we can continue to share the love of God and love of neighbor with each other and our community. You can find opportunities on our website as well as texting to give using the number 704-734-9818.
please join me in prayer as we dedicate our gifts to God. As we offer our gifts to you, holy God, we remember those who are forgotten, those who are hungry, homeless, vulnerable, and lonely. These, our siblings, are important citizens in your kingdom of grace, justice, and hope. May the gifts of our time, talent, and treasure be used in our urgent pursuit of their company and friendship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have a God of second chances, which is a good thing because we had technical difficulties at the top of the hour in worship. And so if our new members will appease me and please join me here at the front of the sanctuary, we have already asked them their membership questions by reaffirmation of faith, and we've already prayed over them. And with gratitude, we've welcomed them into our community. But it is imperative that you all meet these individuals as our newest members who are taking these courageous steps to find a faith community not only for themselves as they are parents or soon-to-be parents, but for their children as well, who will understand a thing or two about what it means to live into baptismal vows. On the left of the baptismal font stands Laura Hassey. Uh, Laura has been in Charlotte since 2004. She graduated from UNC Charlotte, and now she's a project manager with Semantic Bits. She is expecting a baby girl in March, and so now we are expecting a baby girl in March. And we pray with you, and we walk with you um, up until that day and, and long past. We're glad you're here with us, Laura. It means a lot to us. And on the right of the baptismal font are Marion and Aaron Arendt. Uh, Marion's from New Orleans, where she grew up in a Presbyterian church, and Aaron was born and raised here in Charlotte. They met in Dallas, where they both attended SMU, uh, Marion as an undergraduate and Aaron in his postgraduate studies. They enjoy a son named Mac, who I cannot wait to meet in person. I think he's two. They have a dog named Bria, right? Bea, shoot, I cannot get it straight. Um, Marion works at Belk and she enjoys traveling. She's able to do that from home through the pandemic. And Aaron is an aerospace design and manufacturing company manager. Anyway, that's what he does. I think it's really cool. I'm never quite sure what it is. Ask him. He enjoys golfing. They live nearby and they have moved back to Charlotte looking for a faith community in us uh, here at Selwyn Avenue. We are grateful for your membership here. Um, Selwyn people, seek them out and get to know them. And uh, please know that we're here with you from this day forward. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which surpasses all understanding, dwell in your hearts and in your minds. And may God's Holy Spirit fill your, fill your heart and your soul and your mind with power and courage and grace and joy. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Amen.